We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's going on, everybody? This is the first Bronx Pinstripe Show of the new year. I hope everybody out there, a great and happy new year. Today, Scott and I are joined by Justin McElrath at JTMac21 on Twitter. He writes for Bronx Pinstripes as well. Justin, what's up? How we doing? Happy new year. Thank you. Yeah, good. Um, how have you been? I haven't seen you since our outing over the summer. Yeah, some minor things have happened. I actually got married the week after that, so <laughs> just a minor that. life change. Yeah. Yeah, but so you guys were getting, as I saw you guys, and you guys seemed pretty calm considering you were only a week out of your wedding. Yeah, it was the calm before the storm, I guess you can say. <laughs> and I saw you went to Hawaii on your honeymoon. I saw the pictures on Facebook. That we looked, did. It never, looked t- like a terrible time. Awful. Never go there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, uh, I look at them almost every week and I, I miss it tremendously. So I got to get back there sometime. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. Scott, how was your New Year? Uh, New Year's Eve was very, very subdued. We, uh, my wife and I just kind of hung out, 
it was uh it was we had just we'd been traveling quite a bit so we kind of took uh took the night off and toasted some champagne at home with our dog but uh it was good it was good to have kind of a night off uh in that respect so that was good and justin you're torturing yourself by looking at those pictures every day man i, I, to... I know it's not, it's not only me my wife brings them up but... <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so I, I also had a pretty – well, I actually did not have a calm New Year's. I had a calm weekend after that because I was – went pretty hard on the night of. I had the day off, so uh, me and my girlfriend kind of just started early on the champagne around 2 o'clock. And as you guys know, drinking crappy champagne, the types of hangover that come the next day. So it was pretty rough. And that the champagne hangover is, is, is totally different than like, you know, if you're drinking like IPAs or if you're drinking liquor, like liquor will just knock you out for like five days, me at least, because I'm 35 years old, literally a week if I drink liquor. <laughs> but champagne, you just wake up with like a blazing headache. It's just like, it's, it's like super intense. And I don't think it lasts as long, but they're, but they're bad, real bad for at least, at least a day. Yeah. And with each passing year, it gets, it gets worse and worse. Yes, it does. And yes, it does. Now that you're you're in the mid 30s, it's got to be pretty rough. Yeah, well, I I was bad for a while, then I kind of rebounded and I became I I got really good again. It was like, but when I was like late 20s, like really early 30s, I had terrible, terrible hangovers. But now I've become uh, a seasoned pro again, and and uh, I'm I'm back on the good train. So yeah, I can I can hang I can handle things now. I just don't drink as much liquor. That's the that's the deal. Well, you're also probably feeling like you have a hangover because your Jets and Fitzpatrick ran out of magic over the weekend in Buffalo. So, so sorry to see that happen. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was unfortunate. It was a pretty tough game to watch. I kind of felt it from the beginning of the game. It just didn't seem – just they just were not firing when they came out. I didn't understand why Chris Ivory wasn't playing. There was just a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't, I didn't understand was going on. And uh, just too little too late and, and – Fitzpatrick, uh, that interception at the in the red zone with uh, with what under ten minutes left in the fourth really hurt. Yeah, and that was that was back breaking. That was he didn't. I mean, it looked like he forgot he played for the Jets and thought he was still playing for Buffalo. He threw it right to that guy. Yeah, it's one of those. You know, look, they've been aggressive. They've been winning for the past what five six games that 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 streak. And one of the big reasons is because they've been very aggressive. And so, I mean, it's hard to fault them for being aggressive uh, and and staying aggressive because that's what kind of got us there, um, or at least to that point. So, I mean, look, the dude puts it all out there. He he had a terrible fourth quarter. It happens. Same old Jets. So we have like, like a hodgepodge of NFL fans on the site. Obviously, we're all Yankees fans, but we got a, a Jets fan. I'm a Patriots fan. A few Giants fans. Uh, Justin, you're a Cowboys fan. Your season has been over for a few weeks now. So, weeks, uh, let's talk months. Yeah, a few <laughs> months pretty much uh, ever since Thanksgiving. I think that was the nail in the coffin. That definitely was. It's It's been a rough ride for us. I'd like to say that it was just Romo being out, but there's a lot, a lot more going on than just Tony being out. So we'll see what happens. We've got a long way back. Yeah, uh, Jerry, Jerry Jones' world uh, was not really uh, going well this year. One thing I did want to ask you, though, because obviously all these reports that Johnny Football is still just getting drunk before practices and not really showing up to meetings, doing Johnny Football things, he's actually said he wants to go to the Cowboys. How would you feel about that? Well, I don't blame him for drinking his way out of Cleveland. Um, <laughs> but as for being a Cowboy... I, starting like a circus down there with him and Hardy and you know what Des has on the sidelines sometimes I've gone back and forth I could see it as a backup learn from Tony you know they kind of had the same 
um, play, uh, you know, running around making plays. That's kind of what they both do. I, I'm just not in for the headache for for Johnny. You can find another backup that's more serviceable and less headache. I mean, I feel like Jerry Jones just wants him on the team so he can party with him. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, there, I think there's a conspiracy that Jerry was like, Johnny, just get drunk, get out of Cleveland, I'll get you to Dallas. I think that happened on draft night. <laughs> Is it a good idea to bring him closer to college? I don't, I don't think no, it's a good no. idea. No, no, it's really not a good idea to have him anywhere, but he finds his way into these issues too. But the thing about Texas as well is there's a lot of very big rivalries in the state of Texas, and I feel like there are there are different fans all over the place, and they'll just look for trouble. They'll look to like get him into trouble. This dude is not safe in Texas at this point in, in his life, especially if he's playing for the Cowboys. It's just no, a bad idea all around. I would 100% agree with that. I mean, I'd like to watch it from the outside. I'm not going to lie, because then the Jets are not... I mean, the Jets haven't really been to the circus since since Rex Ryan left, which I appreciate. Uh they just do the same thing on the field at the end of the season. But at least off the field, we're not the guys anymore. So, you know, watching someone else do that, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I mean, no matter what, the Cowboys are going to be in the spotlight. ESPN's going to, you know, be loving their hating whatever they do. So Johnny's just another element. First of all, he's not very good at football. I don't think he's ever going to be a good NFL quarterback. He just, I mean, he's tiny, first of all. He doesn't have the size to be a mobile quarterback like Cam Newton or one of those guys. And he doesn't look like he has the mental capacity to be a quarterback either. If he can't even focus for 16 or 17 weeks a year, not getting belligerently drunk in Vegas every other weekend. It's not even that. He doesn't have the mental capacity to keep the stuff off of social media. I mean, he's literally like singing with with a, a, a loco, whatever those things are called, in into the camera. Into the camera. Like, dude, really? <laughs> this is, you're clueless. Well, do you guys remember when Four Loco had both energy and liquor in them? No, I, I stopped with Sparks. I never, I never graduated into the Four Locos. So I still have a Four Loco in my refrigerator that has both energy and alcohol in it. I'm saving it for a very, very special time. Oh, wow. It's also probably going to kill me because it's four years expired at this point. I was going to pop it for the Super Bowl last year, and then I just totally forgot about it. <laughs> it's probably better off, though. Yeah. Um, all right, some other big news around football. Today was Black Monday in the NFL, meaning it's when all the coaches and GMs get fired. The big one uh, was Coughlin getting fired or parting ways with the Giants. That was probably expected by a lot of people, but um, I still kind of thought maybe the Giants and him would uh, see what happened for one more year. I feel like every time um, he's on the ropes, he, he bounces back in a good way. But this was, I guess, the final straw for him with the Giants. Um, other guys that are gone, obviously Chip Kelly with the Eagles. Uh, the Browns fired everybody. No, no surprise there. Poor t- uh, Jim Tomsula, who just seems like he wants to run through walls with the 49ers is gone and uh, Chuck Pagano is probably going to be gone as well so the question I have for you guys if you were a head coach looking for a job would you rather go to the Giants or the Colts Justin where would you rather go this is going to kill me but I think the Giants is a better job um, I've always said anything bad about Eli I could at any chance but I think I, I, I'll preface this I'm not a luck guy so I think Eli, even in his later years, is a better quarterback. And with Beckham, Cruz coming back, I think they found something in Rashad Jennings, too. There's something there. And if they could figure out defense and their secondary, you know, the NFC East is wide open. So I think that might be the better job. 
I know. It's just luck being so young. And if he, let's face it, even if he was healthy this season, they would have won that division, even though they're not a very good team. Um, Scott, where would you rather go? Yeah, I'm taking the young quarterback. And I mean, one, you don't know who's going to be the offensive quarter next year for for the Giants as well. So, I mean, if you're a new coach, you want to keep uh, McAdoo, are you going to bring in your own guy? And then Eli's changing systems again at 35 years old. Um, so I don't know. You got to look at the Eli Manning face every day in practice. I wouldn't want to do that. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that I wouldn't want to deal with. I think with the with the Giants and Eli Manning at that point. So I would I would definitely go with with the Colts and uh, and go with Andrew Luck. I could totally see Sean Payton going over there and and, and taking over that job and turning Luck into just an all time great. Yeah, the that would got actually the, he's got everything he needs. So, yeah, know, he just. That would be a good fit because obviously he can coach quarterbacks and he can coach offenses. You saw what he did with um, with Drew Brees. So yeah, that would probably be pretty good. I might have to lean towards the Giants only because I feel like that's a uh, cornerstone franchise in the league. Um, sort of like taking the Yankees' job uh, as a as a coach in baseball. Um, so I don't know if you could pass that up, but yeah, I mean it's definitely definitely should be interesting seeing what the Giants do. Um, all right, next week, obviously, is the playoffs. The matchups are set, so I want to go around and just uh, get your guys' picks for the upcoming matchups next week. First game is the Chiefs at the Texans. Scott, who are you taking in that game? So the number four seeds, the Texans. I think the Chiefs will, will be favored in that game. So I'm actually going to go with the upset. I'm going to go with the Texans. I think their defense is playing really well right now. And the the Chiefs uh, on the road, ten game I win think, streak for the Chiefs. <laughs> I know. I think I think something's uh, they're they're due to lose at this point. You think and Andy Reid is gonna really make his stamp like he usually does in crunch time? Yeah, Andy Reid's really good in the playoffs. <laughs> so we know we know what the, what's gonna happen there. I don't know. I just feel like it's it's midnight and and the the you know the glass slippers are falling off. I just don't see the Chiefs as great of a football team, and I could see the Texans defense giving them a hard time. And Brian Hoyer being back does help that team uh, offensively. So you know I, I think the Texans are going to surprise some people and win that game. What do you got, Justin? I actually agree. I was surprised. I thought Scott was going to go with the Chiefs, wow. but I, I have the Texans in this too. I think that Andy Reid's track record, and I think I saw somewhere today that the Chiefs have lost their last eight playoff games. Um, you know, you say you're due. You got Alex Smith playing well, but Texans have just found something. You know, their defense and JJ Watt. He, he's a scary dude. <laughs> I think he's going to get Alex Smith, especially running around in the backfield. I, I think the Texans win by at least a touchdown. Actually. Unless J.J. Watt is playing offense and defense the entire game, I'm not taking the Texans. Um, he might other, surprise other, you. Other than J.J. Watt, I think that the Chiefs are a better team. Um, and, I mean, 10 games in a row is, is not easy to do. I'm not th- I'm not saying the Chiefs are a juggernaut or anything. I, I don't think they can make it to the Super Bowl, but I, I think they squeak past uh, the Texans here. Um, all right, next game is the number six Steelers, who are a very hot team, at the Bengals, who are a very cold team, especially without their starting quarterback, the Red Rocket. Uh, Justin, who you got? I've been leaning Steelers the whole week. Uh, if they got in over the Jets, which they did, I'm sorry again, Scott, but <laughs> I'm actually going to pick the Bengals. I think losing D'Angelo Williams is a big hit for that offense. Um, I'm really not even sure who their next guy up would be at this point. I know they got all the receivers and Big Ben's Big Ben, but... Bengals at home, I think their defense kind of turns it up and they get a playoff win, either, even with uh, McCarron if he starts. 
But maybe that is the reason. Maybe because Dalton doesn't have <laughs> you stole the words st- from me. Dalton does not have a win, and McCarron McCarron's actually been playing really well in his absence. So I, I don't see much of a difference with their offense actually, uh, with with McCarron playing. So I, I'm I'm also picking the Bengals. I think the Bengals get their first uh, their first playoff victory. I think their running game is is you know the one two punch of Bernard. Um, and uh, and Hill is too good. The Steelers' defense is trash. Yes, they can put up points, but I think the Bengals can slow them down enough, and I think the, the Bengals take that game. Can you imagine if McCarron leads them to their first playoff victory in whatever, however long it's been? First one under Marv Lewis, uh, who's been in the playoffs a bunch of times. I mean, if you're Andy Dalton, you got to go into a hole and cry after that, right? 100%. A <laughs> uh, $100 million dollar quarterback, and, and you just can't get it done four years in a row in the playoffs, and then this backup off the streets. Um, obviously, I know he's been in big games in college, but... He's texting with Drew Bledsoe right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, as long as McCarron doesn't dye his hair red, I think he's okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so well, I guess I'm going against you guys again. I'm taking the Steelers. Um, I think Big Ben is one of those quarterbacks that's just got guts, and he always gets it done in the playoffs. Um, I think they're the biggest threat... Uh, one of the biggest threats to, to the Patriots, I think, in the AFC, as well as the Broncos, obviously, uh, to go to the Super Bowl. So I'm taking the Steelers over the Bengals. Um, all right, the Seahawks um, at the Vikings on Sunday. And I don't know if you guys watched that Packings, uh, Packers-Vikings game last night, but it was sort of like, no, 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 you win the game, you win the game. Both of those teams were saying that because I don't think either of them wanted to play the Seahawks. Um, uh, Scott, who are you taking in this game? I think the Seahawks are going to just trounce the Vikings. And the Seahawks are holding back a little bit. I think Marshawn Lynch has been just like resting up, getting ready for the playoffs. Uh, I don't know if he'll be if he'll be playing. I'm just kind of making that up, but it seems like it seems like he was uh had the ability to go at some you know one of these these past couple weeks and he just hasn't and uh I think that there I mean Russell Wilson's playing just as, as probably as as well as he has all, his whole career. I mean, they've opened everything up for him, and he's playing really well. So uh, their defense will most likely start turning it up again in the playoffs. I got the Seahawks big. Justin? Yeah, it looks like I'm writing uh, Scott's uh, coattails again. I do have the Seahawks, and I think it comes down to the matchup between uh, Russell Wilson and Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, the experience is on Russell's side, and I just don't know if I trust Bridgewater making the big you know, three, four throws that he has to on that defense. And I think I saw something again today that Russell Wilson in the second half of the season, 25 touchdowns, two interceptions. That's crazy. That's yeah. unheard of. <laughs> Especially when, I mean, Jimmy Graham went down and their offense got better. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't know if he was a great fit for that offense. I thought he might have found his way into it. But, yeah, they they propelled into something you don't want to see. And, you know, unfortunately the Vikings do have to this week. And outside the Vikings, I mean, outside Adrian Peterson on the Vikings, they don't have any playmakers. They just, I mean, Stephon Diggs, is that who we're looking at as a playmaker? I mean, I just don't see it. I don't see it on that team as far as anybody who can beat that that one, that secondary. They sh- they shut down, you know, they start loading the box and they they make a uh, make a tough sliding for AP. I, I don't see other guys outside beating them. I mean, Randy Moss is. Oh wait, this isn't 2006. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, Seahawks Seahawks in a landslide on that one. Um, this might be the toughest game to pick Packers at the NFC, NFC East Redskins. Um, Justin, who are you taking in this game Sunday night? I don't want to, but I'm picking the Redskins. I think they're just clicking and they've played at another level at home. Kirk Cousins has really picked it up this year, which was a shock to me. I did not see this coming at all. And the Packers just, uh, play to play. I don't know who they are anymore. Receivers don't get open. Eddie Lacy is 
eating his way to the line and falling backwards. (laughs) (laughs) I I just don't trust him. So I'm going to take Washington at home. Yeah, same page. I mean, Kirk Cousins is a different quarterback when he's playing in uh, FedEx. The Packers, they're just—they look like a shell. They look—they just look done. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, I have that. My, I have a thirty-year bet with my with my thirteen-year-old nephew. So, um, with the Redskins to not win a Super Bowl, but I think they will win one playoff game. <clears throat> so, logic tells me, like, take Aaron Rodgers. He's the best player on the field. But that hasn't really mattered the last few weeks for the Packers. They look totally lost. I mean, they got absolutely crushed in Arizona. And their offenses look terrible without Jordy Nelson all year. Um, Devontae Adams didn't really do anything. Like you said, Justin, Eddie Lacy's just fat and not very good. <laughs> I think Starks is a better running back at this point. I don't know why they don't use him more. Um, so, I, yeah, I think I'm taking the Redskins as well. They They seem like they're... They're playing much better than the Packers right now, and I guess you can take a hot team at home uh, in the first round of the playoffs. All right, so it should be good uh, playoffs. This this and the next weekend, next two weeks of football are always my favorite of the season because there's four awesome playoff games on. So um, definitely looking forward to that. All right. And I don't care about football anymore at all. <laughs> oh, poor baby. Join the, cl- the club. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least I'm still holding the fort down over here. Somebody's got it. Um, all right. So I wanted to get into some Hall of Fame talk. Justin will be putting up uh, an article on the site in the next few days. We all on the website voted on who we think should be in the Hall of Fame based on the current uh, ballot out there. We give sort of a description on on why we think those guys will be in. So I wanted to go around and just get our three opinions. Um this is a big year, I think, for, for the Hall of Fame. A lot, a lot of big names on the ballot. Not just the guys who have already been there, like uh, McGuire and Clemens and Bonds, the steroid guys, but also new guys like Griffey, who I think everyone in their right mind, uh, if, I mean, if Griffey doesn't get 100%, then no one will ever get 100%. Um, so, uh, Justin, let's start with you. What's your Hall of Fame ballot this year? Uh, so, I did what I would vote for, not necessarily what I think is going to be voted for. Yeah, so yeah, I that's put definitely a, what we're doing here. Yeah, I put in a bunch of the uh, steroid era guys just because, you know, they they made the game watchable again. Baseball was losing so many fans, so much revenue, and these guys brought it back. So I have Bonds, McGuire. Um, they're really the two big guys of that era, and Clemens, of course. Um, then I do have Edgar Martinez. I have Bagwell. I have Piazza. And, of course, like you said, Griffey has to be on the ballot. So you put in McGuire, but not Sosa? Yeah, that was a tough one for me. I, You know what? I was on the fence with Sosa, and I think, I don't know, I think McGuire just did a little bit more for the game, like I said. I know Sosa and him were going back and forth that whole summer in 98, but I, I don't know. Looking at their numbers head-to-head and just kind of, I, I guess it's a bias, I guess you'd say. I like McGuire in that race when I was younger, so that's kind of where I'm leaning here. Yeah, no, I totally understand the overall career of Maguire was better. Um, he was probably doing steroids, definitely doing steroids when he was in Oakland with um, Conseco, with Conseco. <laughs> but the Bash brothers out in so out in um, in Oakland, so he had a much longer career and he was better for a longer time. But I'm under the opinion that if you if you're going to put in a guy like Maguire who was purely a home run hitter and steroids was the main reason, you got to also put in Sosa for what he did with him in the late 90s. Like you said, save baseball. I mean, the 98 season might be my favorite season of baseball ever. And I don't know if anything's ever going to top it. So um, that's a pretty solid list, though. I definitely agree with you 
on uh, Bonds as well, just because he's he was probably the best player of the steroid era. Scott, who do you got? Okay, so I went the opposite way. I am not putting the steroid guys in, and the reason the reason I'm not doing it is because there's just there's just no beginning and end to it. It seems like amidst speculation, amidst uh, you know, when I, when I when I think of someone who cheats the game, I, I don't just think of steroids. I think of Pete Rose too. I think of you know all the guys that are the other guys that are not let in, like Shoeless Joe. Like these guys are are banned from the Hall of Fame because they cheated the game, uh, because they they went against everything that was uh, the, the the game means and all these things. Anyway, so I kind of put everybody into like a, a lump sum category. Uh, to me, if you're not putting in Pete Rose, if you're not putting in some of these other guys then then you should not put the the new cheating the steroids into the hall of fame at that point so i have a very short list uh, that i'm going to be putting in this year it would be edgar martinez who is one of the best uh, one of the best hitters i've ever seen in my in my life i think the guy was uh, bar none the best dh i've ever seen uh that he I, I firmly believe in the eye test. I feel like you have to be one of those guys who who really just dominated an era. Was one of the best players of that era, and I think Edgar Martinez was definitely one of the best, one of the best hitters that I ever uh, I ever saw. Griffey obviously is going in there. Uh, the guy was a machine. And then the two other guys I'm putting in are Tim Raines and Kurt Schilling. Uh, Tim Raines just did it for a long time and had a really good career. And then Schilling. As much as I can't stand the guy and I can't listen to him open his mouth and have noise come out of it, he was a hell of a pitcher. He was a, a big game pitcher at that, and um, he was good at putting condiments on socks. So, <laughs> but yeah, those so those are the those are the guys I'm I, I would put in. I, I'm steering clear of the steroid era. Yeah, a lot of Yankee fans are not going to be happy with the Schilling pick. Um, so Justin, you do not have Schilling on here, Scott. I agree with you on Schilling. Playoff the playoff resume gets it done and he he beat the Yankees twice in like obviously two thousand one and two thousand four so that's why Yankee fans hate him but it's also you got to respect what he did at a certain point um, so he should be in the Hall of Fame Tim Raines is an interesting one because he was before our time a little bit his prime was at least in in the in the eighties so I don't really get to watch I didn't really get to watch Tim Raines much I know his numbers look good. But if I was voting today, I don't think I could put him in just because I didn't really watch him. Um, my list is Piazza, Schilling, Clemens, Bonds, Griffey, Maguire, Sosa, and Trevor Hoffman, who neither of you guys had. I mean, Trevor Hoffman has 600-plus saves. Um, why no love for Hoffman? Uh, is Lee Smith in there? I don't know. I, I think Lee... <laughs> No, he's not, and that's kind of uh, not to interrupt you, Scott. But I was kind of leaning. It takes closers a longer time to get in because right. they're only playing, you know, three outs of a game, and I'd rather see that go to someone who's on the field, you know, for all nine innings every day, or you know, an ace pitcher, a stud, a stud guy. But the game today is so much different than it was. 20, 30, 40 years ago where starters went nine innings. They don't go nine innings anymore, especially in the steroid era where guys were getting their faces bashed in in the third inning every day. So Hoffman was just was more important than a closer was in the 60s because he that's just the way the game was, just like Rivera was so important to the Yankees. I'm not comparing the two. Rivera was obviously better. He has the playoff uh, wins and all that stuff. But... I mean, to say Hoffman wasn't one of the best at his position uh, during that time is kind of, uh, you know, not giving him credit. 
Well, my, one of my problems with the closers, and and because it's so, it's there's a lot of gray area with this stuff. I mean, the the, the postseason resume, in my opinion, has to be there. You, um, the reason I brought up Lee Smith because Lee Smith was the was the guy leading in uh, was the the guy in the clubhouse leading in saves for a very long time. Uh, I think this is just, I'm, I'm looking at Baseball Reference. This is his 14th year on the ballot, and he had uh, 478 saves. So he he's one of those guys that was playing in a time where it wasn't just a one-inning save. He's got 1,289 innings pitched, where Hoffman has uh, 200 less innings, and he has more more save oppor- or more saves. So the, the number of saves is, I mean, obviously Hoffman has a, 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 a crazy amount of saves, and, and that's impressive. But if, if you're going to put him in, you got to put a guy like Lee Smith in, who, who was the leading uh, the leading guy in the clubhouse for his first stage for a long time and pitched a hell of a lot more innings and and did it you know for a long time so i don't know this i, I i'm not putting him in yet he's definitely isn't Hoffman this isn't this his first year on yeah, the ballot yeah. too so like that's the other thing like if there's a there's there's been a protocol with with first ballot hall of famers i mean i don't know if i agree with it but but it's there and and if, if we're talking about first ballot hall of famers trevor hoffman's not even in my i can't even get the words off my tongue so uh, I definitely think he's he's got to be in for a little bit longer if that's the case. So the the whole first ballot thing is such a pet peeve of mine because I feel like if you're either a Hall of Famer or you're not. What is um, um, Jim Rice got in on his fifteenth year, but he's still a Hall of Famer. It's just so weird. What changed in those fifteen years? It's almost like a campaign was made for him, and people like rallied each year as it got closer and closer to the fifteenth year to get him in. I mean, these Hall of Fame voters can be so pretentious with no one's ever gotten a 100% vote and you're our first bat, first ballot Hall of Famer, you're a second ballot, third ballot, fourth ballot. It's kind of just annoying. You're either a Hall of Famer or you're not, in my opinion. I don't know why they, they make it so difficult. No, I mean, I kind of agree with you, but there's a there's been a precedent set, uh, set with, with the way that they do that. So it's almost like a a right of entry now with the amount of ballots that you have like you have to wait it's like well you got to put your time in like so and so did so now it's become it's like gone too far to for them to stop that at this point and we know how the how old school the baseball writers are and how they vote so that's not going to change um so i mean it's 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 kind of following an unwritten rule to to not let a guy in on the first ballot if if they're not like an all-time great and i just don't see trevor hoffman as that um you also didn't have Piazza on there, I noticed, and he was definitely the best hitting catcher of his era. You're right, and I I I, I lump him into the steroid guys. Um, he's he's just one of those guys that Bagwell is the same way. I, I think a lot of these guys are are just their name is too you know surfaces too much when we're talking about when we think well, about the steroid era. Well, Piazza's never really shown up on any lists, and um, I think he's just as clean as far as not showing up on anything as Edgar Martinez. Maybe I don't know. I've never heard Edgar Martinez's name uh, even involved with it at all. Well, he uh, also I, benefited from retiring just before like the height of the steroid era. I mean, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say he's he's gonna benefit for retiring at a point when he did. I mean, okay, then 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 he would have done it if he was there. No, what I'm while, saying while is I think, I think his name doesn't show up as much as some other guys is because I think he retired in 2001. So. The whole steroid issue blew up in like the mid two thousands. Okay, I, I don't know. I just I don't see him as uh, uh, Piazza has been has been kind of linked to a lot of these things. And these lists, the ones, the names that have been have been uh, leaked 
are not all the names. We all know that there are names that, totally. that have, have 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 been gone away. And um, I don't know. It's just my opinion that he's lumped into that into that group. So I, I can't I can't put him in. What do you guys think about Messina? Um, he didn't show up on any of our ballots. Uh, obviously, Yankee, uh, longtime Yankee, unfortunately retired or got there right after they went on their – he sort of he, – he bookmarked the World Series. If you can – he came in in 01 and then he left in 08. Um, feel bad for him that he never got a World Series. But, Justin, would you – what do you think about Messina? Do you think he'll get in maybe on his fourth or fifth ballot? Yeah, I think he's a – I don't want to say borderline. That's not the right word. But I think it's going to take a couple years for him because I know Chris put up an article on the site – uh, highlighting his stats, his wins, his strikeouts, his war, you name it. He, you know, Chris covered it. And Musina is right there. He didn't have the 300 wins. He didn't have the 3,000 strikeouts, but he's right there. Um, he was always the workhorse on his staff, pitching 200-plus innings. Unfortunately, he only had one 20-game win season, I believe. Last year. <laughs> um, yeah, his yeah. last year. So I think that – Gives him a push, and I, I think he does make it in. I don't know, fourth, fifth, maybe sixth, seventh. I do think he does get in, though. Yeah, that was a great article by Chris. The biggest stat that stands out to me was the war. Uh, his war is 83 for his career, and Chris found that the average Hall of Famer has a war of 73. So he's actually 10 higher than the average Hall of Fame pitcher, which is pretty damn good. The thing with Messina, though, is he was never the best pitcher in my opinion, on a staff. Um, and that really, like, sort of like the eye test with you, Scott. If you're not the best during an era where there's so many guys that are putting up crazy numbers, then it's hard for me to uh, give you my vote. You mean on a staff with, uh, with a given team? Yeah. I mean... I mean uh, Who was a better pitcher on the Orioles when he was there? Uh, I mean, I'd have to look it up. I, I guess maybe that's I – mean, he probably was the best pitcher on that staff. But did he ever, like, put the fear of God into you when he stepped on the mound that you I were mean, not, not going to get a Because he's not an overwhelmingly – I mean, he's not an overpowering guy. He was definitely a Yankee killer when he was with the Orioles. I mean, that was that was something he was he was very well known for. So I, I, I always dreaded seeing him just because he, he hurt the Yankees so much. But, I mean, I understand what you're saying because I think it's 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 hard to to look at him and say, okay, this guy is uh, the eye test, uh, like, a, like a super dominant guy. When you're looking at a lot of the power pitchers, it's easier to say that. But with a guy like Bucino who who kind of nibbled around and wasn't on great teams, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really it's harder to look at that. When, that's when you start looking at numbers and you start looking at the stats. But I think Justin made a good point in the sense that he's going to be, I think, really considered a lot more in a few years because the, the writers are going to start to get away from the, the 300 wins and, you know, all the big numbers that they, they've always had, you've always had to, to, to achieve to get into the Hall of Fame. One, for pitching, because now of the specialties, there's just so many specialty pitchers and the, the wins are just not as high as they're, they, they're going to be. I mean, moving forward at, with baseball, we're not going to see guys get to those, those numbers. So you're going to see guys like Mucina who are on the cusp. Their numbers are going to start to look more attractive. And that's when I start to see, I, I think he gets in. So, but I do agree. He's, he's borderline. He's like, he's, he's right on the edge. Do you think maybe if he got a World Series victory and played a big part in one of those World Series that they would put him over the top? I think so, yeah. I think that would definitely help him out. Yeah. Um, Justin, do you think that was a, a good contract the Yankees gave out? I mean, when they signed him in 01, that was one of the biggest contracts ever for, the, for any pitcher in the league. Do you think that was a success? Yeah, I mean, 
I, I would say so as a fan, but you know, he didn't get that ring, and that's what we all kind of judge these players on. Unfortunately, he just wasn't on one of those teams. <laughs> but I just did look up his career stats, and he was in the Cy Young voting in the top six nine different times in his career. That's pretty good longevity. He just didn't make it up any, you know, he didn't get that one award. If he did, yeah, he's in, no question. But I just he's remember, right there. Yeah, I just remember in 2004, after the Yankees lost Pettit, Clemens, and Wells, they were really relying on Messina to be the ace, and he just was not in 2004. Um, and they didn't really have pitching across the board, so you can't really blame it all on him. But uh, he took a big step back. I'm looking at his stats now between 03 and 04. He took a big step back that year. So um, I guess I hold that against him a little bit. Um, all right, good stuff. So definitely looking forward to seeing that article up on the site. Um, a couple other things we want to get to with the Yankees. So it's one week pretty much removed from the Chapman trade. Have Have had a little bit time to digest it. Uh, Scott, we didn't get your thoughts, obviously, last week. What are your feelings on the Chapman trade? Or, sorry, not Scott, uh, Justin. Oh, I, I'm I'm pumped about it. I, I I saw it as I walked in from work, and I had to double take. <laughs> I wasn't sure it was really to the Yankees. You know, I slid down my notifications, saw that Chapman was traded, and then I saw Yankees, and I it, it made me pause. But I, I'm excited. I think he brings an element to this back end of the bullpen that, somehow got better i'm not sure how but it did <laughs> um but I, i'm still interested to see if cashman has another uh card up his sleeve if miller does get moved is this the three that we really go into the season with is chapman suspended um there's a lot of variables still left but just as a baseball move i, I do really enjoy it scott i know you've been doing some homework on the whole suspension <laughs> thing and his his issue the domestic thing that we talked about last week what are your feelings a week out so I, I love the I love the move on the field. I mean, we, we talked about that. It's it's no doubt about the guy's a game changer. He's dynamic. He makes the the back end of the pen even better than it was uh, last year, and it was um, it was awesome last year. Um, so yeah, I, I I just went and read more about the, the 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 incident that kind of occurred in Miami when he was with Cincinnati, and you know let, I read some of the police reports and just like all these things. It just seems like it was a it was a big it was a it was it was a bad situation. People got angry. Um, I, you know, the there were there were a lot of bad things that happened, and it seems like the, from from what I read, there were a lot of people at the uh, at the house at the time when it happened, and there were a lot of people there witnessed everything, and there were no charges ever uh, ever brought up. No one was ever arrested. I think people got um, he and his girlfriend definitely had an altercation, and he definitely put his hands on her, which is inexcusable. Um, uh, I, I'm just I'm not convinced that he's a he's a, a total bad guy. Whereas, uh, and, and not didn't just have a, a really bad moment. And uh, so, I don't know. I, I, again, I think more will come out probably when he gets into New York and the New York media gets their gets their claws into him, and we'll we'll find out more. And uh, you know, I mean, think that this is something that could be a fluid situation as far as a criminal case too, because you know charges could still be brought up. Uh, you know, within uh, the the X, you know, however much. However much time or since uh, since it happened, the uh, I think they have a, a year to press charges. So you, you know, there's a lot of things that happen. But to say I feel better about the situation by after reading about it is is hard to say. But I I guess I do feel a little bit better about it. Um, and on the field, it's a, he's a there's no doubt he's a he's a game changer. So uh, I'm excited for him to see what he can bring. 
I actually read something interesting on MLB trade rumors by Zach Links, and I just pulled it up again to make sure I was was not misquoting him. But he said that Chapman actually is probably not going to make the Yankees bullpen better. And the reason he's saying, or the stats he's using to back that up, is that the Yankees were 66 and three when leading after six, and 73 and two when leading after seven last year, which is just crazy stats. Miller and Batances shut the door pretty much every time. And he's like, well, the Yankees probably are not going to get better than that. And while that's true, what he didn't factor in is that what about all the times that they were in a close game in the fifth, sixth, and seventh inning and Girardi had to bring in some scrub who gave up a three-run homer? That's not going to happen next year because you can bring in a guy like Chapman, Miller, or Batances a little bit earlier than you could last year. So I definitely think it makes the Yankees' bullpen better. I don't even really think that's a question. No doubt. I mean, and just to just we we touched on this last week, but the how the arms can be healthy later in the season, how we don't need to overuse the two guys that we we overused like tremendously last year. And, uh, you know, we saw Batantis when he gets overworked, he he starts throwing balls and he's not as effective. So if we can kind of you know limit his innings or not not so much limit his innings, which limit his usage and not not send him out all the time. And hopefully Girardi won't send him out in a five run game warming up for two innings, you know, things like that. But, you know, it, it definitely helps because it, keep, it keeps people more fresh. Uh, and I think we'll see the, the, dip, the biggest dividends will pay, that will be paid are later in the season when we see these guys still firing uh, all their bullets late in the year. Yeah, that's a great point. And I saw, also saw a stat that no Yankee starter topped 170 innings last year, which I knew, but I didn't know the number. But seeing it on paper really made it stick in my head. I mean, that's just a terrible number that they couldn't get a starter over 170. Um, usually like an elite pitcher is at 200, but to not even have one sniffing 200 is, is pretty bad. So the fact that their starters can't go deep into games, this also helps, obviously. Um, Justin, do you think we'll see a starter uh, top 170 innings this year for the Yankees? I sure hope so. <laughs> um, you know, you, there's so many guys from top to bottom that have question marks with injuries um, that it you know this this is a shocking stat but it doesn't surprise me um yeah you hope that tanaka can or you know hopefully pineda can get his heads on straight and maybe even evaldi can <laughs> win 20 games as well right <laughs> well we know scott um, thinks he will yeah um nah, can of I, corn, I am, baby can of corn i, I am an evaldi fan i will throw that in there but it's still a question. Uh, I'm not sure that any of these guys are really that durable. So it's going to be a big part, but the bullpen will help out for sure. I think maybe the, well, so I was going to say Severino has the best chance at topping 170 innings, but then as soon as I I was about to say it, I was like innings limit. So he'll get to 150. They'll shut him down for two weeks. So, I, I mean, it's crazy, but I don't know if they will have a starter get 170 innings. Yeah, I think Pineda or Tanaka are the are the two guys. I mean, if Evaldi can go deep, you think that he he has a good chance of it too. It, it's funny when you look back at this Yankees team. You know, we have guys who didn't hit 200 innings. Uh, you look at the offense. We didn't have a guy who hit who who drove in 100 runs. You know, there's just these these numbers that we we always hear about to to have a successful offense. You need X amount of this or no 300 hitter. Yeah, you need yeah three hundred hitter. You need we don't have these guys on the team right now that do these types of things uh, all season. It's like we have guys who 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 can who could do it at like two months at a time and then they fade or they get hurt. And it's just like we haven't had someone who can be a stud 
all year long. All, on either side of the, uh, you know, offense uh, or or pitching. It's we need some of these guys. We need a couple of these guys to really just step up and and carry carry these stats in the team the entire year. We need uh, Jacoby Ellsbury to stay healthy. We need Tanaka to stay healthy and and to 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 get out there every fifth day or sixth day. It's just I don't ever think that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean with with Tanaka, I'm talking about. Uh, he just he just strikes me as one of these injury prone guys where every year he's going to need to spend at least at least fifteen days, if not more, on the DL. Yeah, I mean he hasn't proven the otherwise yet, so we we don't know. I mean you know there's he, he's thrown a lot of innings in his in his life, so there's no way that it's uh it's it's probably not going to get much better, especially with his. You know all the concerns about his elbow, and uh, you know everybody was last year was kind of waiting for the, the the shoe to drop, and it never did. There was a couple minor injuries, you know, that were unrelated uh, from what we heard. But but you're right. I mean, he hasn't put it together, uh, and it's it's t- it's definitely tough to say if he's going to. But um, I think he has is uh, he's probably the guy that that I'm looking to to uh, to anchor it as far as innings. Nova, I know he had Tommy John surgery, but other than that, he's been a durable starter for them. Um, there was a report by Nick Cafardo who writes for the Boston Globe that the Marlins are interested in possibly trading for Nova because he's a cheap starting pitcher making $4.4 million next year. Um, Justin, you alluded to it. You said Cashman might have another card up his sleeve. Do you think maybe trading Nova is that card? I'd like to see a bigger card if he does. <laughs> um, I know there were a little, uh, there was a little smoke to uh, flipping Chapman to them for uh, Fernandez. If Nova was part of that, I think I'd be okay with that. Uh, but Nova at this point, just to get rid of them when they need uh, starting uh, pitching depth, it doesn't make too much sense when you're not getting much return on on his, you know, on his value at this point. So. Unless it's a bigger part of a deal, uh, it doesn't make sense to me. And that's just it. It's, he needs to, if Nova, if we're going to get any kind of value from Nova, and Andrew, you and I talked talked about this a couple weeks ago. The 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 value in him right now is packaging him with somebody else, yeah, and and getting a return. You know, packaging a few guys and getting uh, a one guy return or you know something along those lines because. Yes, he can he can get deep into games. He can he can throw innings, but he's got zero value right now because of one the Tommy John, and then he came back and was pretty much mediocre. So his value is nothing. His his, his the majority of his value is staying with the team and being that that kind of safety valve at the back of the rotation. Yeah, he's a number four or five starter, and yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Every team needs a four and a five starter. But what are you going to trade a four or five starter that's coming off injury in a bad year for? You're not going to get anything for him. So certainly not anything that is better than him right now uh, that can help you more than he could next year. So I agree that um, I'm not in the trade Nova camp at all. Not to mention he does have some upside. I mean, we've seen him pitch very well. Uh, if he can if he can regain his form, his strength, and, and find you know kind of the old Ivan Nova, I mean, that's a, that's a hell of a four or five. I'll take that all day long. Yeah, and... I mean, obviously, CC is coming back. Maybe uh, who knows how he'll be next year. But there's not one. There's not one starter you can pencil in and say he's going to make thirty starts, which is a real issue. Um, all right. So um, that's really it for the Yankees news. Uh, it's been slow since since the tra- uh, the Chapman news over the new year. We're getting closer and closer to pitchers and catchers. That's towards the end of February. So that's going to be here before you know it. Um, Justin, any last words before we get out of here? 
Uh, no, like you said, I'm putting out that Hall of Fame article uh, either tomorrow, I guess uh, Wednesday more than likely. Um, so, yeah, just look for that. I think it's a fun article to read, but no, that's all I got. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, thanks a lot. And you can, again, follow Justin on Twitter at JTMac21. Uh, be sure to do that and look for that article, as he said. Scott, any last words before we get out of here? No, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready for spring training. Obviously, I told you before, I'm done with football at this point, so now I'm all focused on the Yankees. And, I, you know, I, I really want to see what our final roster is going to look like so we can start breaking down positions and, and really getting into the actual guys on the team. Uh, right now, it's just there's too much speculation still. I think with, with Cashman still looming with, with uh, you know, as Justin said, with some uh, some cards up his sleeve. So, you know, we're, uh, we're definitely getting closer. It's, it's, uh, it's almost baseball season, and I'm pumped up about that. All right, good stuff. We'll talk to you guys next time. Hey, guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees.